Hello, everyone, and welcome to Optimize Your Life, where we share stories on overcoming lifestyle challenges. My name is Dr. Darsh, and I have an incredible passion for personal development and optimizing lifestyle and mindset. The purpose of this podcast is to help you strategize ways to optimize your life to increase wealth, health, love, and happiness. Now, let's get started. For those of you guys who don't know, me and Christine actually knew each other starting middle school. Um, and then through high school, and then we kind of went our separate ways, but happy to reconnect with you now back, you know, with social media and during the recent years. Um, and I see your posts and they're inspiring and motivating and you're doing a lot. Um, so I like to start off, um, just going deep right into it, being organic. Who's Christina Rowland at her core? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going right in. Hard ones, right I away. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that, I think that's something that I've been working on discovering, um, to be co- completely honest with you. Um, at my core, um, I think, you know, I, so I've distinguished in the past year that my life's purpose is connection. Um, so connecting with people is a huge part of who I am. It's a huge part of what makes me excited, which, what makes me tick, what motivates me, um, whether that be like in my work my social life, my family, whatever it is, connecting with people is just huge for me. Um, I also have discovered how important it is for me to be in tune with myself. So I think um, at my core, like really a large self-awareness and something I'm working on right now um, is self-love. And so really discovering what that means for me as well. Um, But overall, if you had to put like, labels to it I guess um you know I'm a coach I think even at my core um not just my title but like that is who I am and who I like um believe myself to be and my purpose um I am a friend very very loyal when it comes to my friends and family I will like kill for them (laughs) um I am a total like lover I like cry at everything and (laughs) I'm like obsessed with my dogs and treat them like children um and I think I'm pretty strong in my opinions and I stand up for what I believe in and Mm -hmm. not afraid to speak out so yeah yeah awesome and then your dogs are getting famous I see on barstool so, oh my <laughs> gosh yeah it's been so crazy so crazy that's such a funny picture though it's like <laughs> just there frowning that's awesome cool yeah. so yeah so you're 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 a variety of things you would describe yourself in a variety of ways so kind of backing it up looking from your childhood to where you are now can you just describe that journey to everyone listening oh yeah wow um yeah. been a long journey um and take your time i know if it's a long journey go Go as much as you can get to it. So, and we'll yeah, kind of get- yeah. Um, so I, first of all, I'm half Chinese, as you know, um, which is a big part of who I am and the, my culture and my values. I've realized more in my adult life how much that has contributed to who I am and what I believe in. Um, so being half Chinese, half white, growing up in a predominantly white town, um, definitely benefiting from white privilege because I'm white presenting. Um, and never really experiencing my mom or my, that side of my family going, experiencing any racism or anything like that. It was very easy to ignore. Um, but I also grew up in a divorced family. My parents separated when I was about eight years old. Um, my dad was not really around even when my parents were together. 
So being raised primarily by my mom and my grandma was definitely a big influence on my life and who I am as well. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, like, what I'm unpacking now too relates back to now is um, a lot of my self love journey relates to not having my dad around all the time and um, not getting that like love and um, acknowledgement from him that I would have liked as a child um, really impacts what I'm unpacking today. Um, so when I was like eight, I moved to where you live <laughs> yeah. and joined your school. Um, and, you know, I had a pretty good middle school, high school experience. Um, I was a pretty chubby kid up until I was about 12 or 13. I purposely lost like about 30 pounds and it was like a pretty big transformation. Um, but since then I have struggled with body image just like many women have and also like understanding how to like have a normal relationship with food and with working out and right. my body. It feels like for many years I was either losing weight or gaining weight. It was never just like I could just normally eat and normally like, not, like think about it in a normal way. Um, so that definitely impacted my journey as well. Um, after high school, I went to the University of Maryland, College Park. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in kinesiology, which is actually influenced very much by the fact that I did have such an up and down relationship with my body and food, like working out was such a big part of my life and I played some sports. So kinesiology was something I was already interested in because of my interest in controlling my body and my weight. Right. Sure. Um, and I love studying it so much. I find the body to be fascinating. I mean, you know this, you're a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> it's like absolutely. the coolest thing ever. Right. Um, but by the end of college, I was very much um, unsure of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. I'd done a couple internships in like um, athletic training and physical therapy and stuff. And the careers didn't really feel like they suited me um, just based off of lifestyle and what I really wanted to create in the world. And so really not knowing what to do next, I, um, I had been minoring in Chinese language because um, of my heritage and I talked to my Chinese teacher and I was like, Hey, if you have any ideas, let me know. And so she introduced me to this program at Hopkins, um, where there's a campus in Nanjing, China. And so I went there right after graduating, um, I did a year in China and, um, it was at the Hopkins Nanjing center and I got my graduate certificate in Chinese American studies. Um, all of our classes were in Chinese, which was crazy. Um, it was definitely like the hardest academic <laughs> year of my life. Right. <laughs> um, really, really difficult, but also really um, big transformative year for me, um, like personally. And um, just so many things happened during that year that allowed me to grow as a person. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for that experience. And I made some amazing, amazing friends that are still in DC now. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of that year, I had the decision to make where I could either be done with that program or I could apply to finish out my master's with Hopkins um, here in this in DC. And I was like, you know what, I've enjoyed studying international economics so much in Chinese that I could probably keep enjoying it in English. <laughs> so yeah. I decided to finish out the master's um, and applied to SICE, um, the School of uh, Advanced International Studies at Hopkins, which is here in DC. Um, so I got in, 
came to DC, which was about five years ago, 2015, mm -hmm. and um, was studying full time for about a year. And then I started kind of freaking out looking for jobs because I had one more semester left and I wasn't really expected, expecting to get hired right away. But I did, and um, I got hired at PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, and I was in their consulting arm, and so I finished up my master's while starting my full-time job there. And when I had landed my job there, I thought it was my dream job. I was so excited. I was like, I did it. <laughs> I have gotten yeah. the job. Like, big four firm. I Like, my parents are so happy. Like, it's a name that they recognize. It's a name that they can be proud of, and like, I'm doing things that they can be proud of now. And um, I just thought I was going to make partner and stay there and die there. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But I very quickly realized that I was really unhappy. Um, it was a lot of different factors. Um, but I think mainly I was really, I felt really disconnected with the motivations of the business. Um, I was also in government consulting. And so I saw a lot of waste happening where like we would have these government contracts for millions of dollars and i didn't believe that the work we were doing was that valuable or that difficult or like um i saw a lot of time wasted a lot of money wasted i just felt like what i was doing wasn't really serving people um in a in a positive way it right. felt like i was serving my bosses and my clients in like the short term but not really making any lasting impacts on people or the world okay um and then also just like personally and logistically, like I hated being chained to a desk for like hours on end like that. Yes. Like I hated that I was eating out of Tupperware every single meal and that I couldn't come home and walk my dog. And like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just wasn't fun. It wasn't like fulfilling in any way. Right. Um, so I'd been unhappy for a while, but I stayed there for a couple of years. And um, then unfortunately my mom passed away um, in, 2017 and I like many people do when they lose someone close to them started to reevaluate things and um and just realize you know I've been so unhappy for so long like why would I continue to stay in a yeah. place where I'm so unhappy and what can I do to change that so I left the company with no real plan okay. <laughs> um I had been teaching group fitness at Equinox um, starting a few months prior to that. And that was just for fun. It was going to be a side thing. Um, and so I just started doing that full time because I really didn't have another plan. Didn't really know where I wanted to go with things, but I just knew that I needed out. I had kind of hit my breaking points about six months after my mom died. And I just knew that I needed to go. Um, so I left, started teaching group fitness full time. And even in that like year of transition afterwards, I kept thinking to myself like, like oh I'll probably go back to something like PwC though. Like I kept okay. thinking like, you know the nine to five, the business um, company, like the big company type of thing. Maybe business school. Like these are the, like the definitions of success that my father had always ingrained in me. That like you work for a big company, you're in business, you are with the movers and shakers kind of thing. Um, and so that's what I'd always been told. And I really hung on to the idea of like, oh, I'll eventually go back to that. And like, how can I get myself back to that? And started applying to business school and all these things. So I even worked for the year, like studying for the GMAT and taking the GMAT and applying to business school that rest of that year. And I applied and I didn't get to any into any business school. 
Okay. Which was like very shocking for me, which sounds like <laughs> I'm talking myself up, but you know, having a master's from Hopkins, like, and mm -hmm. working at PwC, I was just, I was pretty shocked that I didn't yeah. get into anywhere. Um, and I have a pretty like big personal story. We'll get into my hair later, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so from there, I was like, okay, wow. Now I really have no idea what's next. I have no plan B from here. Um, and luckily, I no, I had just around that same time, I had started posting on Instagram more, just like sharing more about my life and mm -hmm. just like putting things out there after my mom died. And um, I had a friend of a friend who like who I met randomly and who followed me on Instagram kind of reach out and we got coffee one day. And he was like, have you ever considered being a life coach? And I was like, you know what? Actually, mm. kind of like, yeah. <laughs> like crossed right. my mind here or there, but um, like not super seriously. But like, I definitely have always like tried to help people or give people advice and stuff like that. Sure. And so he introduced me to the program that he did, which is um, accomplishment coaching, which mm -hmm. is now the program that I am about to finish. And so it is a life. Um, it's a coaching training program. Um, and it's a year long and we started in August, so I'm almost done. And, um, you basically go through a lot of the work yourself while also being trained to become a life coach and you start coaching people pretty much right away. And so I've been doing that for the past year and it has been incredibly transformative, um, personally and professionally. It's allowed me to let go of my, like hang up on that idea of success and recreating my own definition of success, which for me looks like creating my own schedule, like having the flexibility to do things like this, having the yeah, flexibility absolutely. to walk my dogs right. in the middle of the day, like taking clients, what, like, because I want to work with them, not because I need them and, um, that kind of thing. But then also personally working through, um, my breakthroughs and like self-love and, um, and my perfectionist context and all these things. So it's been really, really huge. Um, and I am really excited to be growing my business. Um, and then also to backtrack a little bit, I do have alopecia, as you know, which is an autoimmune yeah. disease that causes your hair to fall out. Um, and I got diagnosed with that when I was a freshman in college, which definitely was like a um, tough thing being like 18, 19 years old, freshman in college. And it took me years to get comfortable with it. I, I talked to people about it pretty early on, but I was still very much afraid to show myself without a wig, show myself without hair. And, um, in, and I kind of started doing it right before my mom died because I was going to like hot yoga classes wearing a wig. And I kind of realized like, what am I doing? Like, who cares? Like, why, why would anyone else in this room care? And I'm like suffering under this wig yeah, right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and then my mom died and it was again, another one of those things where I was like, what am I doing? I need to stop. And, yeah. um, yeah, but it was definitely something I had to work through and that I've been working through, um, constantly. And this program has helped me with too. Cause it's another thing I've thought of like, Oh, will I be taken seriously without hair and with like tattoos on my head and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm all these elements that kind of tie together. But yeah, so now I'm working full time as a life coach. Um, I also do still do group fitness at Equinox, although obviously we're closed right now with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and also working on create, um, starting or like uh, building up my the side of my business that 
kind of merges the two. Okay. Um, so doing consulting for small boutique fitness studios. Mm. Um, so using my experience at places like Equinox and um, Core Power to help uh, local studios basically compete and um, to revamp their their classes, their programming, their offerings, their schedule, even their marketing, their business model, everything. Because right. I've helped a couple of local studios here build up. And, um, and then also using coaching as a part of that, because I don't believe that you can actually create lasting change unless you like address the root of why you're, you haven't been able to change. Um, so part of my requirement in my consulting business is that, is that at least one, uh, major leader in the business does coaching with me, um, one-on-one. So, yeah. Yes. Wow. So your journey, I mean, for those listening, I mean, you guys already tell there's like a lot of ups, a lot of downs. <laughs> You know, even traveling across the world, trying to figure yourself out, coming back, still trying to figure yourself out. And I think a lot of us go through this. It's just the fact that we aren't self-aware, right? Like, it's the fact that we just live with it, right? But we're not really trying to address these complications or issues that we may have. So for you, fitness and life coaching, I kind of want to address the fitness thing first. So you talked about um, going through, struggling with weight, struggling with food. How did you approach that? Like, sure, you took kinesiology. Sure, you learned about it. But at what point were you comfortable, like, comfortable with your body and being just okay with where you were? How did you address that? Because I know a lot of people kind of deal with that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would say it's still an ongoing journey. I don't think you ever get to one point where you're, like, completely okay necessarily. Um, but something that I like to talk about is – um, body confidence rather than body positivity. Um, so body positivity kind of implies that if you don't feel good about yourself, then you're wrong. Right. Mm. There's okay. like this negative implication of like, if you're not embracing your body, then that's bad. And so I like the term body confidence, which I first heard from, um, an influencer named Shanae Alexander. Um, she's really great, but it really allows you to have both sides. Like you can have those days where you don't necessarily feel your best. You can recognize that like, Hey, maybe I do want to work on my body. Maybe there are certain things I'd like to change, whether it be physically like, or aesthetically or like physical strength or whatever it is, you can still say like, I, there are little things here that I might want to change, but I'm still confident in my body. I still feel good to like, walk out into the world and own who I am, but it doesn't make me wrong for wanting to change something or for even just having a bad day or having like a negative thought. Like that doesn't have to be the end of the world. Like you said, it's more about self-awareness and like mm -hmm. recognizing when you're having that. Like I used to be, there used to be moments in college and stuff like that where I would kind of spiral and not really realize I was spiraling. Right. And I yeah. would think it was okay to like go to the gym for hours on end or like to binge and then not eat for a couple of days or something like, and I would tell myself that that was okay because of the goal that I had. And so the biggest thing is creating that awareness of like when I'm starting to get into that mode of like, Oh, I'm overly watching when I'm eating or I'm overly working out in the gym or I'm starting to think about calories or overnutrition and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, just creating that awareness around your thought patterns more than anything okay. else in order to kind of redirect them as soon as possible, I think is the biggest thing because you're not going to have all positive thoughts all the time. The biggest thing is knowing how to deal with those negative thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, what would you tell someone who's really trying to start on the fitness journey? What kind of advice would you give someone? 
Um, I think first of all, like have fun with it. There are so many things out there right now that you can try. Like, I feel like there's a new fitness concept every single day. Yeah, right. Um, and then along with that, I would say like, don't get bogged down in one thing, like try everything. And also don't like put all your eggs in one expert basket. Like okay. everyone is going to like say they're an expert on, on fitness. Sure. Like it's very yeah. easy to say that you are. Um, but there are so many different opinions and like schools of thought and things like that. And if you're not like really trying to be like a bodybuilder or something, like you really just have fun with it. Like, um, try a bunch of different things, find what works for you. And then after a few months, change it because like you need to try different things. You need to surprise your body, that kind of thing. But, um, you're not going to continue doing it in the long term if you don't actually enjoy it. Um, so that yeah. is like the number one thing. Um, and just like do a little bit every single day. Um, like if like 10 minutes a day is all you can do, like that's fine. That's better than like one hour once a week. So I'm um, just like going for a walk or like dance or like whatever it is. Um, and for women, I like highly recommend strength training. Like I, for me, like I never saw as big of changes in my body until I started strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just feel badass. Like I love right. going to the gym and lifting weights. Like one time I went to a workout class with a guy friend of mine who's like, I don't know, like 220 pounds, like six foot one. And we were yep. lifting the same amount of weight. And like, that made me feel like unstoppable. And so like, yeah, women definitely go do it. Like it's, it's really fun. So yeah, 100% agree. I mean, that's, that's one thing I tell women all the time is you got it. You got to start incorporating that strength training, you know, and yeah. it's just strength is such a huge component. And especially for me going to like physical medicine rehab, like the number one thing that you lose as you get older is your strength. So if you want to stay, um, you know, in the anti-aging realm and living your best life, then you really got to incorporate that strength and completely agree with you when you say you got to do it for the long term, you know, and that's something that I'm constantly having, having to re- remind myself is that, you know, I don't have to work out an hour every day. It's okay to take those five minute walks and then sure I can get those workouts in tomorrow or the next day, but I'm playing, I'm playing the long game, right? I'm, I'm playing the be happy and live long and, you know, just have a fun time with it. So completely agree with that. Um, okay. So then the other aspect to you is this coaching and you say you're inherently a coach. Um, and you can obviously tell that by anyone who's listening, go to Christina's Instagram and you'll see these posts and you'll get inspired and motivated. Um, so tell me about this life coach. I know there's different philosophies. What is the philosophy that you're kind of learning in this um, program? Um, I think like the, probably the overarching idea or theme is that, um, the way that you do one thing is the way that you do everything Mm. and understanding the root of that is kind of the key to everything. Um, so again, back to self-awareness, like that is the number one thing. Like, um, you will never make progress unless you're able to address the problem, but I don't even like to call it a problem, right? Cause nothing about us is a problem. Like we try in coaching not to relate to anyone as having like a problem or needing fixing. Like you are perfect in the way that you are. Um, it's just that we can figure out better ways to do things, right? We can figure out easier ways to make things easier for ourselves and um, to create awareness around our patterns so that we can therefore change them. Like there, for example, um, there, I have a context about perfectionism 
I've my whole life believed that unless I did something perfectly, I shouldn't be doing it. Mm. And that if I don't do something perfectly, then I won't be loved and no one will think highly of me. No one will like me. And it actually ends up preventing me from doing things. It actually stops me from even trying because I'm like, oh, well, that's like, I can't do that perfectly. Right. Um, so it actually makes me procrastinate for one thing. Um, and it also prevents me from even practicing. Like I relate to like practicing or even studying as being difficult like, yeah. <laughs> because I want to just get to the point where I'm perfect at it. Right. Um, and so I started to realize how many areas of my life this was showing up in. It was like, like relearning how to play the piano even was like, as just a hobby. It wasn't even like I was trying to like be a concert yeah. pianist, like as a hobby, I was like, oh, like, let me try this. And then I would stop after five minutes because I wasn't perfect at it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, then like going out and getting clients, like I was so resistant to getting clients in the beginning because I was like, I'm not the perfect coach yet. Like, I don't know everything there is to know yet. So yeah. who could benefit from me? Who could want to hear things from me? And that's just not the case at all. Um, so figuring out where these things show up and how to interrupt them and how to um, create practices that allow you to try something different. It's all about creating something different from what you're, you would normally fall into, right? Um, mm -hmm. So even things like this for me is like a practice in my perfectionism, like doing something live and speaking like off the cuff without a script. This is right. practice for me. Like this yeah. is something that like me a year ago would have been like sweating before this. <laughs> like, right. out, like what have like notes written out and stuff like this. And before this, I was like, it's fine. Like we're just kind of have a conversation. Like yeah. I know myself, like that's all I'm talking mm -hmm. about. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so just practicing trying different things that interrupt that cycle that you always fall into. Right. So do you yeah. like so two things here in terms of this one, like Tony Robbins always talks about how parental love plays such a huge role in terms of how we develop or the lack of parental support in one way or the other. Like, is that something that you found in your life? Like, you kind of talk about your dad not being there and then you being a perfectionist. Like, how does that kind of relate to your journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, yeah, I don't want to speak in generalizations because I'm not yeah. a therapist. Um, and it's sure. I can't. But for me personally, yeah, it definitely has impacted me. Um, okay. I think, and also, um, like with love languages, I've noticed yeah. that that's a big thing too. Like my number one love language is words of affirmation. Okay. So like people telling me how great I am, people telling me that I'm beautiful, that I'm smart, all these things um, versus the other ones are acts of service, quality time, yeah, physical touch and time. gifts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my number one is words of affirmation. And I, I, if I had to guess, I feel like that's because I didn't really get that from my dad. He's okay. way better with me than he is with my brothers. My brothers would tell you that they can count the number of times he said, I love you, or I'm proud of you, like on one hand for yeah. me, because I'm a girl and he had me a lot younger than he had them, or I mean a lot older than he had them. Um, I think he's better about it. And he tells me he loves me all the time, but it's like one of those, like, okay, love you. Bye. I've never been like sat down and been like, I'm so proud of you. Like you're so amazing, yes. blah, 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 blah. Not showered with those words. So like, I love hearing that. I love, like I get like a high off of that. And yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. so that's something that definitely shows up for me personally. Um, and also just like, 
you know, wanting to, as related to my perfection context, my dad being a super successful, powerful businessman who really hit that definition of success that I talked about earlier that he so mm -hmm. much ingrained in me, not necessarily even through his words, but just by showing me and like his excitement when he would talk about the fact that he went to Penn and like mm -hmm. the fact that he created his business and he had his MBA in one year and like all these things that made him excited and proud, yeah. like allowed me to see like, oh, that's what's good. Like mm -hmm. he gets really excited about an Ivy League school, about having an MBA, about creating his own business. Those are the things that are good. So therefore I must do that in order to be good. Right. Um, so that was what I saw, not so much as what I was told, but yeah, it definitely um, impacted my perfectionist tendencies for sure. Yeah. Cool. And then the second thing I was gonna bring up is, do you think like, like even for me, I can kind of relate to that perfectionism. Like even before I launched this podcast, you know, people have been telling me to do it for the past like four or five years now. And I was like, no, you know, I gotta be, I gotta get better. I gotta get better. At what point do we kind of say like, okay, we can pull the trigger. Like, is it just pulling the trigger right away and then enjoying the journey? Or do you think that you have to get to like some place of confidence, some place of like comfortability before you can, you know, embark on that journey or whatever? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. So what, yeah we always say is that you can't coach someone who doesn't want to be coached, right? Mm, yeah. So that relates to like, you can't just dive in if you're so unwilling to dive in because you're so uncomfortable. It's like there's such a huge stop where you can't even move forward or like you can fathom like doing, for example, having this live podcast that there needs to be some steps before that. Right. Right. Um, sure. And so it's not necessarily like waiting to be comfortable though. It's creating actionable steps in order to get your comfort level closer and closer. Um, so whether that be like taking a public speaking class or practicing talking in front of a couple friends or practicing writing speeches or practicing coming up with um, topics on the fly, like there are things that you can do in order to get to that level without necessarily like diving into like a live thing or whatever it is that you're so afraid of. Um, so it's definitely not um, one or the other. It's definitely a both and conversation around what can we create to get you a little bit closer. And, um, and then from there, once you, like you said, get that comfortable point, yeah, then dive in and um, you know, you're going to make mistakes and like, that's, that's that. But Gotta start somewhere. So. Yeah. <laughs> mailman. <laughs> mailman. Always mailman. Oh my god. So okay. So I think so. I have a lot of pre-med listeners listening to this, and so I think guys, the biggest takeaway is when you're hearing this is yeah, the pre-med journey is scary, right? But like, so is any other field. But you're gonna be making mistakes. And like, as me starting my intern year, I'm scared shitless. You know, like there's so many things that I'm gonna see. I'm gonna be overwhelmed. And like, so many people ask me imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Do you feel like you ever went through imposter syndrome? Especially oh, like yeah. Alopecia and, you know. Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, I still do. All the time. Okay. I actually just had a conversation with my coach, um, like, last week where I said, I almost, because I said, you know, I'd love to teach, or teach, I'd love to coach other women or people who um, have alopecia and who have experienced hair loss. Mm -hmm. But then I said to her, I was like, you know what? I almost wish that I had gotten comfortable with my hair loss through coaching so that I would know how to coach people with alopecia or hair loss. Like as if like the fact that I did it on my own was somehow 
like invalidating the fact that I like could connect yeah. people with, with hair loss, right. if that makes sense. But yeah, I go through <laughs> it all the time. Um, and even, even like with Instagram and like, um, yeah, just posting about hair loss because like people will write comments to me and they're like, how are you so confident without it? How, how'd you get comfortable? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it literally took me years, literally yes, took me right. years. And um, so yeah, I think I struggle with that all the time. Um, and it's again about changing the conversation and just being aware of that. And then like, like bringing your awareness to it and then changing the dialogue to being like, okay, well, what have you accomplished? Like, what have you done in this area? Like, show like kind of show yourself that you're kind of full of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. After so, a fake, it's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. So like, even when you're walking on the street and let's say like a little girl looks at you and, you know, says mommy, like she has no hair. Like, what does it look like? How does that make you feel? How do you approach that? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I used to get like upset about it for sure. Um, but these days, I mean, once in a while, I think, you know, you still get kind of like a twang or whatever. But, um, I think the biggest thing for me is like representation and like showing and like, I'm glad that that little girl is seeing me. Right. Like yeah. I have seen so many things, even for example, with people with cancer who have said like part of the, one of the hardest parts of cancer was losing my hair. And that like blows me away. I'm like, why is that? Like, why does our society put so much emphasis on hair and like, why, like, you know, before I lost my hair, it was like my whole life. I had been inundated with like images of people with beautiful, long, luscious hair. That's like all we're told, like media advertisements are all yeah. like, have thicker hair, more voluminous hair. Like, and we identify people like, oh, they're brunette, they're blonde, like whatever. Right. Like, um, right. it's just such a big thing in our culture. Yeah. Um, and it just shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, it can be great. And it can like, it's, cool but i try to look at look at it and present it as an accessory like if i really want to wear my wig like i'll wear my wig and that it's just a different look like i almost yeah. wear like different clothes based on which one i'm feeling because like it's a different look it's like right. wearing a hat right mm -hmm. and so i'm just trying to present that feeling more than anything else because um when i was losing my hair like i didn't know anybody else with alopecia before i was mm -hmm. diagnosed with it and um, now it's like so meaningful to me to be able to have that conversation with people online. And that's part of the reason why, like there are definitely days where I'm like, I wish I didn't post on like on social media at all. Like I kind of wish I could delete it all and like not, not look yeah. at it. But like those conversations are what keep me going because yeah. like it's so important um, to see people who like look like you, have the same things going on as you because otherwise like we'll, we'll feel so alone. Like I remember feeling like, no one could understand like even my closest friends and family who were so supportive when i was losing my hair i was like yeah thanks for being there but like you don't get it like you will never understand what it's like to lose your hair like you just don't get it and so to like be able to just be someone who like gets it for people i think is like my number one thing like i just want to show them that like there is life after this like there were some really really low points where i was like i don't know if i'll be able to get through this and like Honestly, losing my hair has probably been the biggest blessing in disguise in my life. Like it has opened up so many doors for me. 
It has made me a more confident person in the long run. It has made me honestly like more like silly, but recognizable to people. And so like, therefore I get thought of for opportunities and things like that. And um, it's been really just a really awesome thing. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and I, you can, I can clearly see that in you too, you know, just like the way I, I think the viewers here can see it too. You're passionate, you're engaged, you're just, you're bubbly, you're happy. Um, that, that's just awesome to see. So like, you also talk about pushing past fear. How do we start that conversation with ourselves? How do we know what we're fearful for, for fearful of and kind of getting past that? Yeah. Um, I keep sounding like a broken record, but self-awareness is like number one, um, noticing patterns, um, and not to like push coaching, but that's where coaching is really great just to have like a sounding board. Cause a lot of times it's so much more difficult for us to recognize our own patterns, our own behaviors, our own fears. But like, it's really easy for someone who's just hearing us talk about things over and over again to hear them. So if you can't afford like a coach or a therapist, I would definitely recommend like, you know, maybe sitting down with your friends, having or like someone you trust and like having a really honest conversation and be like, hey, like what patterns do you hear when I talk? Like, what are the things that I complain about the most? What are the things that I'm that you would say I'm the most afraid of? But also ask like the positive side of things too, right? You don't want to leave that conversation feeling really disempowered. You want to hear like both sides of it. Like, well, what do you love about me? What do you think I'm really good at? What do you see me like, uh, like soaring in and achieving? Like having all of those sides of the conversation, but maybe just getting someone who you know and trust to be honest with you, to like sit down and be like, okay, yeah, this is what I see here. And if I had to name something you might be afraid of, here's what it is. Um, just because oftentimes it's so hard for us to get there ourselves. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, if you're not comfortable doing that, like even just journaling, like I, so, and it doesn't have to be like a traditional journal where you're like writing your whole heart out. Like we think about it. Um, I actually only just keep a gratitude journal and a self-love journal. So every morning I write down three things that at least three, um, things that I'm grateful for and at least two things that I love about myself. Okay. And it's funny to look back on them because you can kind of just tell what's going on in my life based on what I wrote down. Right. Like a lot of times it's like people I've talked to or events or things that have happened or like it can be like just as much as like my house. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my dogs, whatever it is. And then my self love, like it's easy to see if I was like super focused on something physical or super focused on something like mental and um, just kind of noticing like what you repeated repeatedly say or like where you're afraid to go. Like if there's a category you don't touch or, or something Mm. like that too. Um, So just, starting to like getting to know yourself in all of these different ways, I think reveals more aspects of yourself. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be like, I have to dive into fear. You can yeah. dive into like what you love and then see what you're not touching. Right. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So that kind of leads me into my next question, which is going to be about you and optimizing your life on the day to day. So is yeah. there anything that you truly do morning routine, nightly routine, you did touch on journaling just now um, that you're doing to really just optimize your lifestyle or mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll be honest, I am really bad about waking up at the same time every day, <laughs> but yeah, I would <laughs> recommend that. <laughs> 
I do recommend like around the same time in the morning and at night, but I am, I personally, without having that 4.30 a.m. alarm clock to go teach classes, I've been really struggling finding like my, my own time um, in the quarantine, which is like my yeah. optimal time. But I do recommend that. Um, but then also to like, I've also been working on not pressing the snooze button. And so as soon as my alarm goes off, I actually just keep my journal right by my bed. And the very first thing I do is um, do the gratitude and self-love journal, like literally while I'm lying down in bed. And yeah. it wakes me up without having me like looking at Instagram and looking at my phone and stuff like that. And I try not to look at social media for the first like one to two hours of the day. Um, once in a while I do it on the weekends, um, but I, I almost always regret doing it. Do it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually my, like, like the habit I'm trying to break right now and I'm three days in and it's just, it's such a great thing to wake up and realize I don't have to react to the world around me. I can just yeah. go inside and like, you know, just figure out my day. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. um, no, yeah, exactly. Like when I was in, so I was in Bali when COVID hit and, um, I was doing a yoga teacher training and we actually had about like f like four hours of silence every morning. And what silence meant was not just like not talking. It was no talking, no eye contact with each other, no like hand signaling or anything. No, you weren't allowed to read, listen to music, look wow. at your phone, like nothing. Like, and obviously when you were waking up yourself before going into the class, like that was your own self accountability of not looking anything, but I really tried to do it every day. Um, it was from like about five thirty in the morning to about 10 AM and it was a game changer for sure. Um, so yeah, definitely like we're so stimulated by things all the time that just taking that time in the morning to like not be stimulated is definitely yeah. huge. Um, and then I also, after I get up and brush my teeth and put on clothes, I go to meditate right away which is also something that is pretty new since Bali in February. Um, before that, I was, I was of the mindset that I couldn't me meditate. I yeah, like, tried yeah. it a couple of times. I was like, I hate this. I keep thinking right. so much, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I'm definitely through practicing it in Bali, being forced to essentially practice it in Bali. Um, but then also acquainting myself with a few different styles. You know, I've realized the point isn't to like not think, it's just to kind of like quiet your mind a little bit or like notice what you're thinking about when everything is quiet and then like bringing your awareness back and like the breath and like really making that connection with your body. Yeah. So that's been really great. Um, so yeah, so to recap, I journal right away get up, brush my teeth, drink water, and then meditate. I also do Agni Sara. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it's diaphragmatic breathing. So you basically oh, like okay. pull your okay. diaphragm up. Yeah. So Agni means fire. And I know you're like the chakra, the third chakra for fire is in the belly. So I guess yeah. that one makes sense to me, but okay. Yeah, it basically like moves your organs around and kind of like gets things stimulating. It's really good for like keeping your internal organs healthy and like bowel movements and everything too. And so I just do it for like a minute every morning. Um, I find it's easiest on an empty stomach, but you can really do it whenever. Okay. But uh, so yeah, look into that. And then um, I usually do like I have a few spine PT exercises that I try to do first thing too to like set my day up as well so that's basically what i do um but i would say in general like obviously you don't need to follow my <laughs> my routine mm -hmm. but um yeah. i think 
another thing that we talk about in coaching is like, you really can't do the work unless your well-being is in check. Like mm -hmm. your well-being yeah. is number one. And we talk about healthy priorities. So like um, putting yourself first, which most people don't do. And so the, our list of healthy priorities is self and then spouse. Um, but that only counts if you're like engaged or married. <laughs> it's not, okay. or like if you live with someone that you're yeah. um, in a relationship with not just like a boyfriend or anything, self, spouse, work, then family and friends. Um, so, but biggest takeaway from that should be putting yourself first and yes. um, getting your well-being in check. And something you can do that's really easy with that is like write down 10 things that you would love to have or 10 things related to your well-being that would allow you to um, improve your life. So, for example, it could be meditating. It could be reading every day. It could be um, calling a family member every day. It could be taking a walk every day. It could be making your bed every day, whatever yeah. it is, writing that list out of 10 things and then keeping like, um, and keeping track, whether it be like on an Excel sheet or on a journal or whatever, keeping track of how many times a week you actually do those things. And then from there, trying to improve it. Like if you do it three times a week, maybe try to up it to five next week and then try to get, try to go all the way up until you get to t um, every single day so with all 10. So I like that. I'm going to actually have to do 10 because I feel like you're, you're actually exercising your brain to really think of things that you normally, you know, are in your subconscious, but you really need to pull out and bring out. So yeah, I actually also use this app. Um, if, if people like apps better, I use an app called Habit Minder that allows me to do that too. And it actually keeps stats for you too. So like once you're done, you just like check it off that you're done and you can see how many have you have left for that day. And then you can also look at your stats, like the past month, how many times have I done this? When, have, when did I fall off here? Like when did I, um, when did I, I do this every single day like what streaks am I on so um that works really well for me okay habit finder I'm gonna note that down awesome awesome okay next question here is where will Christina be in five to ten years what is next for you oh man um <clears throat> let's see so lately I've just recently become comfortable saying this out loud because at first I <laughs> At first I felt silly uh, saying it, but I'm trying to own it. So I'm gonna practice saying it here. Um, I actually would love to be like a life coach to like the stars. Um, <laughs> nice. I like, never really wanted to be like so famous that I could like can't walk down the street, you know, like I wanna be able to live my life. But I think like my ideal would to be um, like live in DC most of the time, but fly to LA like once a month or once every five weeks or something, meet with clients in person for like a week and then come home. Um, and I just think it would be really awesome to like make change like in people's lives, especially in that world, because I feel like there's a lot of like internal turmoil a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to help out with that. Plus, I just think um, like lifestyle flexibility wise, it would allow me to like do a lot of things with my life that I'm excited about, like travel and um, still make time for family and friends. Um, so yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I guess, what am I, 28. So maybe, hopefully in five to 10 years, I'm married, maybe maybe a kid or something like that. But I'm also not putting pressure on that. That's like, yeah, um, yeah that'd be cool, but not my number one priority. Sure thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, for you going through your journey and like I've gone through mine, it's just like, I'm so accustomed at this point to just be like, 
whatever happens happens like i'm just looking forward to like the next day and just like seeing what i've learned from it and where it goes you know and yeah what yeah happens, you know? If the past couple of years have taught me anything, it's that I really have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But as long as I like continue doing the things that I love every day, like it's it, it's just going to get better. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Last question here is: What is the one thing you want to leave behind to all the viewers and those listening? When you say create the life you always wanted, what is that one thing that you could give them to to do that? Yeah. Um, I would say that you already have the power to do it in you. It's like all about unleashing it and unlocking it. Um, I think we so often look outside for fixes, um, whether that be like weight or health or mental health or whatever, or even just buying things in general to make us feel better. We always want a quick fix. And it is all about like the fact that it's already inside you, you already know the answers. Like I very rarely ever give my clients answers to anything. <laughs> it's generally me asking them questions and them hearing themselves realize like, oh wow, I already knew that about myself or oh wow, I already knew how to do this. I, I created that myself. And um, that's ma mainly what I want to do and strive to do is like empower you to figure it out yourself. Um, and people are always surprised by the fact that they already know it. So I guess don't be surprised. You know yourself, you know what you're capable of. And you're, I would actually assert that you're capable of so much more than you even think. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, a matter of believing in that and empowering yourself to create what you want. So. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, you know, for coming on yeah. here, sharing your story. Um, before we get to questions, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm here on Instagram, um, Stina E. Roland, um, and then also on TikTok, uh, <laughs> same same username. People are loving the dog videos, yeah. so <laughs> go there for dog videos, I guess, um, <laughs> and some some me dancing. Um, and then you can always email me at Christina at ChristinaRolandConsulting.com. My website is about to launch in a couple days. Um, so that'll be linked in my bio. And yeah. Awesome. You can always hit the email on Instagram. So Cool. Okay. So I think we got a question here. So it says, have you already discussed how you approach self-love daily? Would love to hear some advice regarding that. So any quick thoughts you might have on just self-love daily and approaching it? Oh, yeah. Um, so that is something, I, yeah, like I said, I'm working on. Definitely the self-love journal is helpful. Um, I would also recommend, um, for example, like I said, one of my, or my main love language is words of affirmation. So something that I'm working on also is asking for acknowledgement when I feel like I need it. Um, so we relate to acknowledgement as like basic, it's basically like complimenting someone in a really powerful, empowered way. Um, and it's not necessarily about like looks or anything like that. It's not like a one-off. It's like a very much like, um, like connected form of complimenting someone. Um, so I'll call my friends and be like, Hey, can you just acknowledge me really quickly? Like I'm kind of like down on myself right now and I'm not like re remembering how, who I am really. Like, can you acknowledge me first? Yeah. 
And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll tell me like, oh, you're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am. <laughs> and that's it. And I keep going on. Right. Um, but that's just for me. Like, that's something I like. Um, but I think, um, again, like getting, I, as when it relates to um, body positivity and body confidence as well, I think, um, again, getting to know your body is one thing, like, there's an exercise that I've done where like you literally just stand in the mirror almost every day and just like take everything in and you like say what you like about your body and you like just notice things and um, just like that awareness physically as well. And then also like working out and lifting weights like with the goal of being strong versus losing weight or counting calories has also been huge for me and self-love as well. Like focusing on strength over like any other number um has really helped me as well but yeah i'm always yeah. looking for more self-love practices so if anyone has recommendations let me know but, yeah. yeah oh sounds good okay and then stop playing with my mind says i can tell you have an incredible personality you're so brave and strong oh thank you so, absolutely i mean you know you're more than just a fitness coach and a life coach right there's just labels but as you've shown that as humans we're all so much more than what we are with our potential and it's kind of just unlocking that potential and figuring it out and enjoying the journey and doing more things with it. So cool. Okay. Any other questions in here? Let's see. Don't. Okay. Everyone's right. Thank you. So cool to hear your goals. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So that's it, Christina. I just want to say thank you so much coming on here, being vulnerable, sharing your story and just telling us all that, Hey, we all have the struggles and stuff that we go through. And it's just about enjoying the process, figuring it out and just becoming better versions of ourselves every day. Um, that's something I completely resonate with a hundred percent. And, you know, I love seeing your posts. And for those of you guys that want to get inspired, motivated, everything that we just talked about, go and follow Christina um, on her Instagram. And yeah. And then if you guys want to re-listen to this, the podcast episode will be coming out shortly too. So Awesome. awesome. Thank you so yeah. much, Darshan. And I am going to just acknowledge you really quickly in the oh, spirit sure. of life coaching. <laughs> um, I just want to acknowledge you for your power and your presence. I think you're doing such amazing work having this podcast and all the content that you put out there. I appreciate your vulnerability as well. Um, are we okay? Just froze. Okay. <laughs> um, I really appreciate. Oh, do you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I don't know what it is. Ah, are you there? I, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not pretty good. It froze. So weird. No, of course, as soon as I'm acknowledging you, it froze. I'm typing on here. It's not. Okay, now I hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, it's not freezing on my end, so just go for it. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, so... um. Yeah, I want to acknowledge you for sharing all of your knowledge um, in such a like open, vulnerable way. And I know how much work you put into it in your professional life, your personal life, and that you have um, all of these things that you talk about, which is really awesome to see. And so I just want to acknowledge you for um, your brilliance and your power. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll definitely be asking you about life coaching soon because it's definitely something I'm interested in after residency. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. Can't wait to talk to you Enjoy, soon. Christina. Yeah. Yep. We'll talk soon. Yep. All Thanks. Right. Bye. Bye.
And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Optimize Your Life. If you have found this podcast to be helpful and adding value to your day-to-day, then please consider giving it a five-star review. Until next time, stay optimizing.